Advancing Research Podcast Takeover with me, Lisa Walker, the Campaigns Lead at Neuroendocrine Cancer UK. Our new Advancing Research campaign is all about funding and supporting research that helps those with neuroendocrine cancer both today and in the future. I'm really delighted today to be joined by Dr. Rahini Sharma, who's a consultant medical oncologist and the oncology lead for neuroendocrine cancer and liver cancer at Imperial College London. She also leads on research investigating new treatments in neuroendocrine tumours. So firstly, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to talking to you about oncological research and just understanding some of your views on what's happening in the area. Um, And I suppose a good place to start is really just to get your view on um, why is research so important? Why Why is it something we should focus on? Thank you, Lisa, and thank you very much for inviting me today to speak. Um, Look, I I think research is is vitally important. It's a really key way in which we can move the field forward, both in terms of new drug treatments, but also in terms of making people feel better for as long as possible. If we look at the field of oncology as a whole, there's been dramatic advances where for lots of cancers, we've taken um, drugs which otherwise may or may not have worked into this field so that patients are now living for a lot longer. And so for some cancers, the viable is less than 10% over a five-year period. And they've now dramatically improved so that people are living for a very long period of time now with the cancer. So it's almost like we've taken cancers from being from something that people might not have lived for for a very long time into a chronic disease model. So I think so. Firstly, that's that's re- is really good to know. And I think thinking of cancer as a chronic disease is um, actually quite helpful for patients. And certainly for our neuroendocrine cancer community, you know, a lot of people uh, have really um, good quality of life for a long time with the disease. I think um, so. One of the challenges we have just as a disease is that there's very low awareness of it among both healthcare professionals and patients. And sometimes that impacts, I guess, the time it takes someone to get diagnosed or the time it takes them to get to treatment. And I just wondered, in the field of research, does the low awareness impact? Like, is research impacted by the fact um, the disease isn't hugely well known about? That actually has a huge impact from research, even from an, in a dramatic way, not only in terms of people participating in research, but also in people referring to studies all the way through to the funding bodies that actually fund these research um, strategies. So having a low awareness about these cancers, particularly neuroendocrine cancers, impacts the entire spectrum of the research portfolio. One of the main things that we rely on is patients and their families very kindly giving up their time to participate in research studies. Often when patients are diagnosed with a neuroendocrine cancer, there's a real sense of trying to grapple and get and information about a rare cancer type so that enrolling on research portfolio or in a research study is actually very low on their agenda because they're just trying to find information about this type of cancer. So that's the first thing that they're not, you know, even just trying to understand the cancer that they have means that research is like a secondary, uh, secondary thing in their mind, which I absolutely understand. Because these cancers are rare, they're often treated in uh, centres of excellence, particularly in the United Kingdom. 
if doctors are not aware of this cancer type, they may not refer to a centre of excellence. And so therefore patients will not be, they won't have the opportunity to engage in a research portfolio, into research portfolio study. Um, and that that is a real, that's a real issue. In the UK, um, all the specialist centres are kind of interlinked, which is excellent, so that we refer to each other's studies, but it's really trying to get patients into one of those specialist centres. And then I think finally is the issue about funders. A lot of our trials are funded by pharmaceutical companies or they're funded by charities. Some of the charities, obviously charities have a very limited amount of money and they're going to fund um, cancer types where there's a real need in terms of you know, there's a very high volume of people that are being affected because they have a very small pool of money. So often the rarer cancers are left off the list. With pharmaceutical companies, again, there's a real drive to fund cancers where there's much higher incidence. And again, the rarer cancers might not attract that much funding, although that is changing. Um, but that, that is something that's particularly been a problem in the past. Yeah, it's quite a big impact it has then, that kind of uh, lack of awareness in some areas. And I think, so just listening to you, I'm sort of wondering, like, what, what could we do to kind of help that situation? I think Certainly for us in Neuroendocrine Cancer UK, we're now, we really want to focus on research and kind of spend some time and get some funds to that. But in terms of, I guess, the participation and getting patients um, wanting to enter a trial in the first place, if a patient's outside of a centre of excellence, is there anything um, they could do or we could do to support them to enable them to get onto a trial? I think it's a lot about um, asking uh, referral centres or asking their clinicians, are there trials that we can participate on, um, particularly if it's outside of a centre of excellence, uh, because then the, uh, the clinician can refer into a centre of excellence for those trials. Um, and certainly a lot of, uh, at Imperial, which we are a centre of excellence, we get a lot of referrals from patients who are being treated outside of centres where they contact us directly asking to participate in, in a trial, either via um, Neuroendocrine Cancer UK or they've gone onto the internet and found that we're running a study. So I think it's very much about increasing an awareness of the trial portfolios. And a lot of that, unfortunately, might come from the patients and family asking their clinicians for a referral or do they do they know about a study and can they point them in the right direction? And that's really important to know because sometimes our community, they're not always aware they can ask for it. And I think actually what I'm hearing from you, that's that would be you know a really positive thing to do, that as and when they're meeting their clinicians, they can kind of bring up research themselves. Um, and I guess just so taking the conversation, I suppose, in a bit more of a personal direction and, and with you, where did your interest in research come from? Um, yeah, so I've, that's, a, that's a good question. And I've been doing it for so long that sometimes I have to reflect back and think, why am I doing this? And look, it, it's, I, when I started doing oncology, I was um, very struck by how poor the outcomes are for patients. And I, as, I wasn't satisfied just saying to patients, well, this is the best we can give you. And so it's driven by you know, a, a real need and a desire to give patients better options. Um, and I really, my the ultimate for me would be if any of my research strategies could actually be used in the clinic to improve patient outcomes. That would be that would be the, the best outcome for me. And that's that what really that's what drives what I do every day. That I don't think there could be a better answer than that to uh, to that. 
Um, and so obviously you, one of the areas you focus on is new treatments for neuroendocrine cancer. I just wondered if you could tell me a bit more about that. And is this kind of chemotherapy or more the kind of radiology molecular studies or what what, what does that entail? So um, a lot of the drugs, that, well, a lot of the strategies that we use, um, what I've been using, have been in um, radiopharmaceuticals. So using different strategies of radiation treatment. So the one study that we've just recently completed is using tiny beads which are coated in radiation, which we can actually deliver directly into the cancers that may have spread to the liver. And the idea is then is to try and control the disease in the liver to improve patients' long-term outcomes whilst maintaining their quality of life. And we've just finished recruiting to that study. The study that we currently have open is using something called lutathera, which is a special treatment which allows the delivery of a high dose of radiation to patients that have um, cancers that have got a special target on its surface. And so what we're doing is that 20% of patients don't have that special target. And so we're using a medication to make that target reappear so that they then can have the radiotherapy treatment. So you can you can bring the target out as well, so then the medication can work. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and what's it what's it like for a patient in the trial? So if a patient were to kind of go ahead and be recruited, what what would that kind of experience be like for them, or what what could they expect? Yeah, so depending on the trial, um, there is a different level of commitment. So some trials. And so when you think about trials, they range from very, um, very new drugs, which have just come out of the laboratory, to drugs that have been around for a very long time. And we just want to see if it's better than the current gold standard. And so depending on what type of trial it is, a patient's commitment will be greater or lower. So, for example, if it's a new drug that's just come from the laboratory, patients will have to come to appointments more regularly. They may need to have biopsies. They'll have more scans than what they would normally have as part of their treatment pathway, and they might need to give more blood samples. When they're in a later phase, later stage trial, it probably won't be a lot more of a commitment than what they would have in a normal standard of care. When patients do decide to go into a trial, they're part of a team. So we all work together in that team. And that includes having a specialist research nurse that is really a, like kind of the linchpin of the team because they help guide the patient through that clinical trial journey as long as as well as the doctors that are involved in that trial. Amazing. No, thank you. For that. That's really clear, just kind of. Um, I guess it's, it's really helpful for people to just have an awareness of what, what might happen in a trial before they go into it. Um, that's been really like that's been really kind of helpful and great to kind of understand a bit more about oncological research and what's happening in the field. So thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been really good to talk to you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank, thank you so much. Take care. Bye. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to Not Just Any Cancer Series wherever you listen to your podcast. And please do leave a review.